Travel back in time to the 80s. Reliving the shenanigans. It was the early 80s, and sex was still a good way to meet new people. The disappointment. Now that's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. And the self-confidence. I'm six foot, three inches tall, and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your old pal Spearsy. And Brad in LA. And today we caught up with the founder and lead singer of 38 Special. It's our interview with the great Don Barnes. Okay, Brad. How many 38 special song titles can you squeeze into our 80s cruise promo? Challenge accepted. Here we go. You know where me and my fantasy girl are going next year? On the 80s cruise! Join your Stuck in the 80s hosts along with MTV VJs Mark Goodman, Alan Hunter, and downtown Julie Brown in spring 2024 for a week-long trip on board the Royal Caribbean Mariner of the Seas. Just hold on loosely while I reveal the lineup. Performers will include 38 Special, Air Supply, The English Beat, Soft Cell, Debbie Gibson, Sebastian Box, Stephen Percy of Rat, Ray Parker Jr., Sheena Easton, Wang Chung, Midnight Star, Animotion, Real Life, Escape Club, When in Rome, Tommy Two-Tone, and more. You'll be ready for it. Rocking into the night in 2024 for sure. Okay, before you get too caught up in... Well, I can't make that song code work, but let me just say, the 2024 cruise is officially sold out, but take your second chance. Ah, see what I did there. Now, and join the wait list. Go to www.the80scruise.com for more information because we want you back where you belong with us on the cruise, in case you were wondering what we meant by that. I love that song. Ah, back where you belong. Mm, So good. Impressive. I thought for sure you'd find a way to use chain lightning in there somewhere. Uh, Boat, chain lightning. It's just like 2020 flashbacks when we had like 18 foot seas and our friend Matt, who is in the Coast Guard, is like, it's bad. I'm like, he <laughs> thinks it's bad. We're fucked. Looks like we're in for a blow. Oh, man. What can I say? I, I, I appreciate the effort to, to work it in. I, I, I should have maybe used keep running away. Or teacher, teacher. You know, Steve, stop being a wild-eyed southern boy and get on with the show. Yeah, touche. I I think the point that we're trying to make here is that 38 Special is just one of those bands that uh, gave the Indies generations so many memorable tunes. I mean, Don talks about it in the interview. I mean, they had like, what, 15 songs in the top 40 and in the top 10? Yeah. it's it's mental. I mean, you said, you know, this is one of the bands I'm going to know every word to every song that you do. And I am too. So, yeah. Full disclosure, I've never owned a single 38 special album because I didn't need to. It was on the radio. It was on the radio constantly. 
Also, I've been waiting for this interview forever because I wanted to talk about Jacksonville, Florida, where Don Barnes grew up, started his career. It's just one of those little Zen moments for me. Uh, Spearsy revisits his Jacksonville memories. (laughs) Pre-Jaguars, I believe. Long pre-Jaguars. Just barely. They started right when I left. For those who haven't been subjected to my weird sense of humor i love to quiz people on how many bands they can name from jacksonville and because i think it's just one of those towns that you don't think of as a epicenter of music but in the 70s yeah. it was it was it was probably the uh, spiritual headquarters of southern rock so you have 38 special you have leonard skinnert Molly Hatchet. Those are the three bands I knew the best. Yeah, I think also um, Captain Geach and the Shrimp Shack Shooters got their start there, too. The Wonders. Got it. Looks like the Oneaters. Listen carefully when Don starts naming off some of the other bands that got their start in Jacksonville, because there's a couple others that I missed because they weren't as impactful in the 80s Mm. as the ones we're used to. And I think in the 90s, too, uh, Limp Biscuit was from Jacksonville. I'm, that says I'm really all you need sad to know that about. you know that. I'm just sad you know that, Steve. Google, my friend. That's the only reason I know that. And, and to be honest, I think the fact that a band called Limp Bizkit formed in Jacksonville in the 90s says everything you want to know about the 90s. <laughs> we will talk about Jacksonville a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about the history of the band, um, how they got their start. Uh, the role of the city in the music, how the waning of Southern rock helped them create their sound, uh, his love for arena rock. Steve's proximity uh, to their practice hall. (laughs) Literally across the street. I had no idea. That was kind of a skeezy area of Jacksonville. Uh, (laughs) Well, I mean, that means it was a cheap place to build something out, you know? Yeah, it was. I haven't been to that part of Jacksonville in... Thirty years, wow, maybe now. Yeah, and I, I understand it's changed a lot. But when I was there, that was—it's not the sort of area of town you'd want to be wandering around in, so. unless you had a thirty-eight special. <laughs> sort of where the band name comes from. It's named after the gun. It's uh, named after a gun that a police officer used to shoot off the lock of their practice oh, facility. There you go. So. Anyway, sit back and enjoy this conversation with the great Don Barnes. Don Barnes, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Steve. Nice to, nice to be here. We're looking forward to the big cruise here. I saw 38 Special play alongside Ario Speedwagon in Clearwater, Florida back in 2007. And oh, yeah. got there a little late. I opened auditorium door. You guys were already on stage, and the crowd was just like whipped into a frenzy. Uh, I, I remember we were we were so worn out that I think when Ario came on the stage, we were just like, I, I can't, I can't stand anymore. I just, I'm spent after your set list. Thanks. I, all those guys, Kansas, Sticks, Ario, they say we hate following you guys. <laughs> <laughs> They're all good friends of ours. Kevin, he's a riot. He's yeah. Kevin Cronin. Sure. Ario. We've got a lot of history. Goes all the way back to the late 70s 80s and all you know and yeah. uh yeah they do a, they do a great job you know it's only a few of you can count on pretty much one hand all the survivors of, of, of 80s uh groups you know i'm talking about big guitar 
bands with radio hit songs and all. So, you know, we're lucky, very fortunate to have uh, be among some rare company there. We had about uh, 15, you know, charting songs, top 40, top 20, top 10, you know. So over the years, we uh, we go out there, man, we never slack up. We stack up, man. We go out there. After, uh, that's kind of our un, unwritten, unspoken rule, you know, and to go out there and uh, not uh, look like we've aged at all and just go out there and hammer them, you know. Yeah. With that, yeah. Uh, Put that, put those muscle and melody, we call it, you know, put the snarl of the guitars in the face and, and great story, good melody. We feel like if it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Right, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, to the show on the cruise because it, it'll be one of, one of a handful of sets where I will know the word to every single song that you play most likely. I mean, that's, uh, that's what 30 right. special set list is like. Yeah, we see these ticket master, you know, we see the reviews and things that after shows and they say, wow, every song was a radio song. And, they, and, and that's another thing, too. We don't we're not one of those groups that play one song and then say, thank you very much. And then, you know, our next song is this. You know, we line them up. We push them back to back and just keep taking them for a ride. That's our whole forte is taking the audience for a kind of a roller coaster ride. You know, we we start out big, big uh, opening keep climbing and, uh, you know, energy and all the, all the great, you know, joy. Actually, it's a great job to bring that kind of joy to people. You see them high-fiving each other, singing along. Uh, sometimes you see some, a couple, you know, some tears in their eyes and song might remind them of something, but you know, it's a, uh, it is an emotional experience for us because we do see all that directly. It kind of gets me a little choked up every now and then. <laughs> I see somebody, that it meant, meant so much to them. And it's like, I'm, I'm there with you, you know? So uh, all those songs, they, uh, they represented milestones in our life. People just think that you, you make up songs, but those songs came from real life experiences, all those things, you know, uh, uh, caught up in you about a relationship. I was, we were contractually obligated to, to have an album out in six months after touring for nine months, you know, and, didn't have an idea of one single note, not one. It's like somebody writing a book, you know, the first page is on a bright, sunny day, comma, <laughs> dot, 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 you know. And uh, I said something to her. I said, you know, I just can't seem to get any work done. I'm just so caught up in you all the time. And it was like a light bulb went on. The songwriters have to have the kind of antenna out, you know. And, and I thought, you know, that's a pretty positive title. That's a good good story, you know, but, you know, it's got some happiness to it. And, you know, people relate to it. So, yeah, you know, I just made it about that. Uh, just to continue on, hold on loosely was, uh, I wrote that with, uh, Jim Peterick and Jeff Carlisi from the band guitar player. Jim Peterick was uh, from the band survivor. He had written, uh, later on eye of the tiger, which was number one around the world, you know, so he's no slouch, you know, but the, uh, first time we met him, we, we, uh, sat at his uh, breakfast table and we were just kind of meeting each other, you know, for the first time. So we, uh, we, uh, he said, so, you know, cause we had been writing songs. We had a couple of uh, three albums before we met him. And he said, so how you guys been doing? I said, you know, what is it about? I was going through a kind of a relationship that gotten a little sour and, uh, and I had a little notebook. Songwriters have little lines and notebooks and titles and all those little things, you know, to kind of help, the process along and I had a little notebook of titles and I said, what is it about people that just can't seem to, you know, tolerate their differences and they try to 
change each other. And I said, you know, you know, what do you think about this title? Hold on loosely. And he said, oh, yeah, but don't let go. And that was the perfect couplet, you know, per- first thing out of his mouth. So we were off to the races there. And and uh, we were, the song was finished about two hours, you know. So 40-something years later, it's the anthemic song that people wait to hear that first opening cracking rip you know and uh, but a lot of people come up and said you know uh, you know oh, that song meant so much to our our relationship our marriage or thing we never tried to do any of that steve we were just trying to get on the radio yeah <laughs> I, i'm i'm curious when you, when you play that song now because of it it's genesis being you know in, in a time of a little bit more uh strife what what goes through your head are you thinking about the, the genesis of this song or are you thinking about other things uh i just I see the people's faces that that's what I see. And I, and uh, that makes me, that makes my heart sing, you know, cause I, that's uh, something that we were young boys with a dream, you know, and that's something that's a full fleshed out dream. It's, it's a big risk to take something like this. You know, we didn't have anything to fall back on and uh, we didn't have schooling or training or anything. We, again, I just, as I mentioned before, we had done three albums that went right over the cliff, Steve. <laughs> so we thought we were going to break the world wide open, but, you know, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it, you know. So it, it, when I see that kind of that success, that victory, uh, and I will say we, we do do it after a song called Chain Lightning. We have a big production of smoke and thunder and lightning, strobe lights and all. And uh, out of that smoke, I walk out and crack that opening of Hold On Loosely, and it just slays them, you know. But to me, that cacophony of, of uh, the smoke and the thunder, and all, it, was, it, it represents the struggle through my life, you know. So out of all that madness and craziness and struggle and risk and everything, is there's the winning one. There's the one that took off and we took off from there and just kept trying to back up better. You know, you always try to beat the last song you did. So we've always tried to line them, line them up there. You know, you talk about uh, growing up and, and having a dream and, and being young boys without a fallback plan. I, I started my newspaper career in Jacksonville and I, I worked mm. there for four years at the Florida times union and times yeah, union. Yeah. Yeah. The, it's the town that birthed, you know, Leonard Skinner and Molly Hatchett. Yeah. Uh, what made Jacksonville such a unique place to start a dream like that? I mean, obviously, it's a successful town in terms of the three great bands that came out of it. Maybe you were there for four years? You were at the Times Union for four yeah, years? Yeah, in the early 90s. Well, this is a full circle because if you remember, the top of the street was Jackson Street, and there was an old warehouse there, and that was our rehearsal building right across the street from the Times Union building. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Leonard Skinner had bought us the sandwich shop next door and gutted it and made a little eight track studio. So we were all working right on that corner. So that's, that's crazy anyway. But the, the story of Jacksonville is that it was a Navy town. I guess you knew that it's five, four or five Naval bases there. And all the sailors would come in on ships and they'd have their on leave. And, and so as, as young kids, I'm talking about Dwayne Allman, Greg Allman, Ronnie Vans, and everybody played the enlisted men's clubs at Mayport, Cecil Field, and NAS Jackson. So as 15 years old, you know, you could go and play cover songs with your little neighborhood band, your little boyhood band, and you play Three Dog Night and, uh, you know, uh, Santana, all all these songs from back then that uh, Young Rascals songs, and that's this kind of thing. So we all 
did that. And it was an early proving ground, a kind of a, a foundation to learn the craft of writing songs. You started seeing how, where the payoff is in a song. You got a, you know, you got a verse and a pre-chorus and a chorus and a bridge, all these elements that go in. You see what is the big cherry on top and you start thinking, oh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm understanding this at 15 years old. You're making a hundred bucks a week. You know, that's big money for a 15 year old. Yeah. And, uh, and so you start, you get about a few years of that and you start thinking, you know, I can, I can write my own songs now. And that's when you go starve for the next 10 years. So, because <laughs> nobody knows really who you are and you haven't, you're starting from, you know, zero again. But uh, that's the, that was the story. It was a, it was a Navy town. And I guess Skinner, Almond Brothers, Molly Hatchet, Blackfoot, everybody came from that era, area. And the, uh, the, uh, I guess we all owe our careers to the Navy <laughs> playing for sailors. We were up there watching them drink and fight, you know, on the leave. So <laughs> they, had, they had a name a ship after you. Yeah. <laughs> I had read that Ronnie Van Zandt gave you some advice uh, early on too. like, try, don't be a clone of something that's yeah. already there. Find your own niche. Yeah. He was watching, uh, watching us come in on the, on the tail end of, you know, the Southern rock bands. And it, it was kind of waning at the time, by the time the eighties came around. So, uh, well, we, of course, Ronnie was gone in 77, but you know, we, he saw us, copying some of what they did, some of Marshall Tucker, Almond Brothers and all that. He, he just kind of put his foot down. He said, stop trying to be a clone of whatever has came before you. You know, what, what do what makes your heart sing? What are your influences? And that was really, we took that to, to task. You know, we thought we were, we were more melody oriented. We were British invasion. We like Beatles, big Beatles fans, melody, harmony, uh, animals, you know, all the, British groups, you know, we came up through and uh, we started stripping everything away and uh, creating a little bit of our own style for the 80s because we did see that it was, you know, the shuffle, boogie, southern rock, same kind of three chord blues thing was was on the wane. So we were we realized, and of course, these other groups, Foreigner, Boston, and, you know, Sticks, and, you know, um, everybody, Ario, everybody's coming up with the re- arena rock. And we like that kind of big guitars, big uh, presentation, big presentation. So we stripped it all away and came down to just eight notes. We were pretty, uh, Jeff and I were pretty accomplished guitar players, but we found that in the studio, we were putting everything in, except but the kitchen sink in there on recording. And it's just too much information for the uh, common listener, the average listener. And we stripped it all away and just went eight notes. Duk, 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 duk. It started from beginning again and put and crafted a style and a sound that actually worked. I mean, we were, I can tell you that a lot of desperation had set in by the third, fourth, third album, fourth album. And uh, so we were, we were at a point where we were not winning and uh, so we had to change everything. Donnie Van Zant said, he was the one that said, why don't you try to sing some songs, you know? Why don't you, let's, let's change everything. Let's change the formula, you know? And uh, Donnie's still my partner today. We still, we own the, the brand, the trademark. And, and uh, you know, he, he was a more of an earthy singer, but I had the, the radio-friendly voice. So he, you know, he was, it was always like, it didn't matter who carried the ball as long as we won as a team, you know? So we, we still are, best friends today brothers you know oh that's great to hear you, you talk about that transition from from southern rock to arena rock and in, in, beginning into the 80s uh mtv obviously has got to be oh yeah 
part of that role. I mean, I remember I was sitting around when they first announced that you were coming on the cruise. I remember I was going through the old videos and I came across the the video for Back Where You Belong, which, by the way, is a song <coughs> I cannot get out of my head now. And my wife is tired of me singing it all the time. But but yeah, I love that. Infectious, yeah. It's uh, I love the video and I'll put the video on the YouTube every almost way too often for our household. And she's like, are you watching that, that 30 special video again? And I'm like, I love this video. It's just, it has such a sense of humor to it. You, you, you guys yeah. have a good matchup with MTV. That was later. The first uh, foray into MTV. Of course. Now we, I have to tell you, timing was never on our side. We were always a day late and dollar short, any kind of styles, any kind of the, well, the, the public is fickle anyway, and the music business is fickle. So you're trying to catch one thing that with a stroke of luck. And uh, we had been touring and we were out in uh, Denver, Colorado at Rainbow Music Hall. And we had, uh, my manager said, there's this group of guys that want to bring their own. Let me just preface this first. MTV, when they first started, they had no content. So they would have to send their own camera crew out to film live concerts because they, they didn't have enough content to run all day long, 24 hours. So he said, there's these three, this crew wants to come out and film the show. And it's called MTV Music Television. And uh, we had never heard of it. And it's like, well, sure, I guess we'll, you know, we'll give it a shot. And I remember the guy holding the card up wanted me to say, you're watching MTV. You'll never hear the music the same way again. And I thought it was an odd little you know, slogan. And I should have bought stock back then in it, Steve. <laughs> but it turned out they filmed Hold On Loosely and the Wild-Eyed Southern Boys. And, and uh, on the first day of their launch, we were the 13th video on the very first day. So for one time in our career, timing was on our side. So we've got... We had the exposure from the very first day. And of course, again, they didn't have so much content. So they played us around the clock, you know, along with REO and Pat Benatar and a couple of them that would, you know, 24 hours a day, you know, we, we were, uh, I couldn't even go to the grocery store. <laughs> My uh, partner in the podcast and I, we, we host the trivia on the ship and you can bet that uh, which 38 special video was the first one to air on the day one of MTV is going to be a oh, question. Yeah in 2024 yeah. now you talk about back where you belong that was in philadelphia and it was about 20 degrees we all had long john underwear under the clothes and everything we were freezing everybody was freezing out there <laughs> and gary michaels was from uh, saturday night live so he he made it a humorous kind of element to it you know and uh uh you know so it, it was fun to do but it was cold we were freezing <laughs> but you know, it became after what you know the videos became popular with, with people and you, you end up spending the, the band is paying for the video, the record company, they'll throw a little bit of money, but of course it's, they have to get paid back everything. They, they take you out to a dinner, $800 dinner. You're thinking, wow, they're really treating us. Well, you're paying every penny of that record companies. You know? So they would, uh, so we got to the point where our videos were costing, uh, well, the, if I'd been the one, to say goodbye that song that was a hundred thousand dollars up up there in canada in the wheat fields and we thought this is ridiculous we're spending so much money of our own you know uh but it worked out everybody loved the fire and the horses and the passion of that song so it's it uh, it went over real well in in mtv so we stopped we stopped spending that much money after a while we thought you know we're just going to film some live shows it's a lot cheaper you know (laughs) I remember you took a break from the band and you started a solo career during the, I it was the second half of the eighties and 
during that yeah. time the band wrote and recorded the song second chance which mm-hmm. huge hit but every right. time i hear it every time i hear it i have to i, I have to remind myself it's a 38 special song because it doesn't doesn't sound like one. yeah so I'm, I'm assuming the song still makes the set list these days but what's, oh, yeah. what's it how was the process for you getting used to that and and you know coming back uh, well to the bobby band caps and- bobby caps the keyboard player sings second chance he does a great job we recreate the record just like that but uh i'll back up and tell you max carl was just a wonderful singer this guy's a great guy we've met him out there we did a few shows he's with the grand funk railroad now he sings with grand funk and uh but, uh, you know, I shook his hand. I told him, uh, you know, thank you for keeping the, the name and the spirit of it alive. You know, now, in my own opinion, you know, we, we were a rock band, big guitar band. So a lot of people said, huh, <laughs> who is that? That's 38 Special. So, you know, sometimes a ballad can, can be a little detrimental to your career. You know, Foreigner had that problem with some of their ballads. They came out later on and, it, and, it, and the rock fans started to walk away and they think, well, they've gotten, it's gotten soft and everything. So over the years, you know, we, we've had to build back that fan base and realize and tell them that, you know, that was just a departure for a while. And, and it's a great song. Beautiful. It, it crossed all uh, formats at radio uh, generations. So it's a big, big deal in the show. We put nice lighting. We do a really nice mood thing for Bobby to sing. And he does a great job. And, uh, and so, yeah, it uh, it was a, a definite departure, but it was something that propelled the name forward and got a little bit further out there with more band base. You know, so, so many bands have had that that same problem where you have a song that comes along that doesn't match the rest of the catalog. I know with Berlin, it was "Take My Breath Away." With Loverboy, yeah. it was almost Paradise. Yeah. Um, was was there a moment in Thirty Eight Special History where you guys kind of came to an impasse and said? This isn't working so well anymore. We need to have a sit down uh, and figure it out. You mean because of second chance? Not, not even second chance, but was there a, was there another moment in the band that just proved to be a challenging moment where you said, "I, I just don't know how we we navigate around this." Uh, you know, you you want to keep the fan base you have, and of course, grow it all the time. So, yeah, there was a, a time it was of a concern of our, ours that. People did tend to, well, after I left for a while, there was a, ch- a change up in the group. Uh, they brought another guitar player in, Max Carl, you know, and so uh, people would buy tickets and they'd get to see the band who they knew from the videos and everything. And they realized that, well, this is not this, exactly the same band anymore. So they would tend to, you know, walk away and not buy the ticket next time. So uh, Donnie and I made it our a mission to rebuild it and get those fans back. And when I came back it was four and a half years later, uh, uh, A&M, by the way, just the reason I had A&M had offered a solo album, A&M records. And, and, uh, I did a, an album called ride the storm and it was all finished and mastered and recorded and pictures and everything. And then A&M records got sold to polygram for like a billion dollars or something. So the project was shelved. Anyway, I was invited back and, uh, we came back and, uh, got everybody back together. And it, like I said, it was uh, Donnie and I, it was our mission to bring the fans back and realize the sound is there. Everybody's the same. We're, uh, we're heading forward, you know, moving on. And, and, uh, and uh, so it took about 20 years to rebuild that fan base because uh, uh, of, you know, uh, uh, what's the word, a little bump in the road or something. We took a little detour for a minute 
And uh, but at nowadays, everything is sold out. We go by the people know they can come and it's a it's a celebration of that brotherhood and all the history that we put together. I mean, the the uh, we were we were young kids. Like I told you, we were young boys with a dream. Donnie and I had played in Jacksonville club bands, bar bands, dance bands. And, and we there's about eight other bands before 38 Special. People think that's the first try. You know, you, you, uh, you know, so things would flake apart. Guys wouldn't show up for rehearsal and all those weird things that happen with bands. And, uh, you know, we'd all go back to day jobs and that kind of thing. And Donnie called me one day and said, let's try it. Skinner was just taking off for the first album. And Donnie said, let's try it one more time. Let's, let's get the right people who are going to commit and be, you know, have a real conviction to sacrifice everything. I tell these young boys, I said, you got to sacrifice holidays and anniversaries, birthdays. You got to rehearse. You got to be five steps ahead of yourself to try this. Uh, it's not anything that falls in your lap, you know, and, uh, and you got to work hard at it. So, uh, I've even told these young guys that have a band, they want, they want to get a record deal. I said, if you absolutely have to do it, you know, but if there's anything, a little more stability to fall back on, you know, whether you're good with your hands or stay when stay in school or whatever, but uh, you know, it's, it's a sacrifice. And the, and the bottom line is Donnie and I have joked about it, but there is absolutely no guarantees. You can give 110% and still not make it happen. You know, and so that's why it's just a daunting task to keep f- uh, fueling the fire, shoveling that coal in the engine and keep it going. And uh, uh, so that's what we did when we did a little departure from the band. We realized, well, we're just going to stand up and, and do what we do, what's been successful before, all the arenas that were sold out. And we're just going to make sure that one by one, we're going to win them all back. And so that's what we've done. Like nowadays, when we tour is sellouts everywhere. So it, because people know you're going to get a great time. You're going to get a, a, a roller coaster ride and, and uh, one song after another that takes you everywhere you want to uh, in your history. And, you know, but the thing about it, we cross generations, the, the oldest fans, they had kids, they played our music in their house while the kids grew up, the kids get influenced by the music and they are grown now with children. So you see all different age groups out mm-hmm. there, you it's a great, great 20, thing. 2024 marks the 50th anniversary of the band. Is there anything special planned for that milestone? Yeah, we, uh, <clears throat> we're going to try to put change the set around and make it a, a celebration. Uh, Donnie has come out a few times on, uh, on past, uh, shows. He, uh, he had to step away. He had inner ear nerve damage after all these years. I guess you read that, but sure. Yeah. He, uh, it was really serious. They, they they told him that, you know, if you continue doing what you're doing, you're going to be absolutely stone deaf. So, you know, he's, he's still, like I said, he's, uh, he's has, he owns the trademark and I have his blessing and we, we've gone on, but he does come out every now and then for guest appearances and uh, he can't expose himself to loud volume for very long, but he can do it for a short period of time. So we're looking to do, do something like that, change the set of uh, the production, uh, the, you know, the, anything we're going to bring in some different production and make a an anniversary. Mainly the, the, the year 74 was when we were still scraping from day jobs and trying to put it together. But we kind of look at it as 76 was when we got the first record deal 
And uh, so we're, it's kind of a nebulous area there when the 50th anniversary happens, but yeah, we'll have something special. Well, I can't wait to see a, you know, I guess it's early spring. Uh, I know Andy's fans around the world looking forward to seeing you uh, on tour. We can't wait to see you on the boat. Um, thanks so much for your time today. I just, I'm really psyched about your, uh, about your show on the ship. Oh, it's my pleasure, Steve. And we're, we're looking forward to, uh, to it ourselves because we're fans of a lot of those guys on the Wang Chung. We've got all these, these guys with, you know, I've passed around our shows of Wang Chung. It's just wonderful. It's spirited. Uh, the drummer was Brian hit. He plays with uh, Aria Speedwagon now, but, uh, you know, we're, we're fans of all those people. So we, we're looking forward to, uh, to, to it too. And I think we're going to be, uh, you're doing a trivia. We're doing game show and, uh, Q and a interviews, but, uh, we'll see you around there on the boat and it's sold out. I'm sure we'll, we'll be seeing everybody out there at the pool and everything else. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it. but it's a great time. Cruises are great, man. It, you know, we'll, everything's 13 stories high. They've got shopping malls and bars open all night long. So <laughs> it's a wild time. Yeah. And it's Aruba and uh, Turks and Caicos. Uh, right. Aruba and Curacao. Uh, or Bonaire, I forget. Yeah, I might be Curacao. But <laughs> it'll probably, be a fun I'll time. figure it out. Wherever the boat stops, that's where it stops. Yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing it. Come say hello, Steve. Will do, Don. Thanks so much for your time. All right, buddy. Take care. There you have it. Don Barnes of 38 Special. Wow, what a nice guy. Yeah, what a pro. I mean, just the great, great stuff. I love how he says, uh, we never slack up, we stack up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look, respect, because he knows, like, people are coming to hear these songs. They don't care if I have a new album out. Maybe you could play one song off that if you did, but they deliver. You know, yeah. they're going to deliver. You, you buy the ticket, take the ride, and you're going to like the ride. I told him at the beginning of the show that I had seen – I've only seen them once before, and it was in Clearwater, Florida, and they were opening for for REO Speedwagon. And true to form, just like I say in the story to Don, we, we arrived late. I was with my former podcast host who didn't believe in uh, the virtue of catching the opening act. Why do you Even want to see the – the opening act is up. from the 80s. Yeah. And uh, we walk in, and it's like that scene – in Blues Brothers, you know, when the crowd suddenly goes wild like and they're everyone's like, up on their feet, yeah, 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 swinging stuff around and dang, uh, just I mean, it, it was it was like the most chaotic, enjoyable, like circus atmosphere while they were on stage. Yeah, and I I felt bad for R.O.S.B. Wagon to have to follow that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys, we kind of we kind of whipped them up a little bit. Yeah. Better change your set list up, guys, and don't open with the ballads this time. Yes, that's uh, like when we saw B-52s in Human League. B-52s just like set the bar way up here, and then Human League comes on the Human Robot Act, and everyone's like, what the heck is this? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly like that. We're going to play seven straight songs off our new album. I hope you're okay <laughs> with that. Doesn't matter if you <laughs> are or not. <laughs> We're still doing it. Also, I'm wearing a trench coat, even though it's August. Yeah, read the Outside. room, dude. <laughs> Hey, I love I love the Human League. It just that was too. not their that was not their best night. That was not a great set. But I will say, when we saw them a couple years later on the cruise, I'm like, they're back. Yeah, like they figured it out. Yeah. But anyway, I digress. That's got and, nothing to do with Thirty Eight Special. No, no, no. I think the important thing to know is go follow Thirty Eight Special on social media, and you'll realize they're still playing like 150 shows a God, year. That's amazing. 
I mean, and the, he says it in the interview, like, we don't have any fallback plans. Like, this is it. <laughs> like, we got to make this work. So, you know, Don needs a new boat. Don's got a tour. Yeah. Don doesn't live in uh, Jacksonville anymore. I think he's in Atlanta now. I think he's been there for quite some time. And I don't blame them. If, you, if, if my life involved going to the airport and having to fly around the country twice a week, I would not want that airport to be Jacksonville Yeah, you, you want to pick a hub, folks. Like, take it, <laughs> take it from the road warrior on this podcast. You want to live near a hub. Yeah, exactly. So um, they're playing all over the place. Even if you're not coming on the cruise, which is the vast majority of you, you're going to have plenty of chances to see them live. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, you will not be sorry. I'm waiting now for this magical transition. Do you know what I am sorry about? The Seggies. Hey, it's time for TV Party Tonight. We will play a snippet of a theme song from an 80s TV show. Wow, this is coming out more smoothly. Yep, there, there. there it Just is. There myself. it is. <laughs> Theme song, eighties. Postal friendly bottle openers. Are you caught up yet? You got them all out. I have a couple to send this week. Okay. I don't think I have one. Just you know, I'm not that trying is to not say. true. That is not true. I will send you another stack. But I gave you. I gave you some. I did. You probably they probably just got misplaced in the move. And I have stick. I have stickers on my person pretty much everywhere I go. Someone was in a meeting this week and was like, hey, do you have any podcast stickers? I'm like, actually, I do. And I pulled one out of my notebook. Here you go. Oh, you needed two? Okay, here's a second one. Do you, do you carry around a business card, too, usually for it? I usually have one for the, for the podcast in my wallet just so that I can scare people in the Trader Joe's parking lot like I did that one lady. Yeah. No, I, uh, the wife here gives me crap all the time because I don't carry business cards around for the – she's like, you need to have those business cards with you at all times. I'm like, eh. You never know when it's going to come up. I know it's weird, but uh, anyway, from episode six seventy six, here was the mystery TV theme song. Yep, that's the theme to Hotel. We had a huge list of winners. It's actually it's intense. Funny thing is, is, is um, you know, right before the show starts, it's usually up to me or Brad to, to go surfing through all our emails and yeah, come the, up with the, the list intern has really fallen down on that job. You know, we got to <laughs> get them on that. And I'm I'm looking, and I'm like, I don't, I don't. Did we have a, a TV segi that episode? Because I I can't find any emails. Finally, I, I find one. <laughs> Tom Corn in Austria. You were the only one. Steve will read the winners if there's just one. <laughs> Tom Corn in Austria. Uh, you were the only one. Um, well played, sir. And I know for a fact you already have a bottle opener because I see it here in my very exhaustive computerized records. Okay. Maybe he can send you a virtual sticker, Tom. <laughs> Is that a thing? Actually, I could probably mail a sticker with just regular postage. Just when you start sending stuff like the bottle opener, things like that, it's like, well, what's in there? What's the customs duty on that? Like, if it's just a sticker, a sticker's a sticker. Tom also sent a letter. So this is where I usually do the transition. But that's okay. We'll just go right into the letter. Tom writes, Steve, we shared a teenage job working for weekend newspaper delivery. Me and my friends work for our local area distributor of the Chicago Tribune. 
where from Wednesday through Sunday morning, we'd assemble the Sunday newspaper. Sections were printed over the course of the week. We'd get paid a penny a paper section and do a couple thousand each night. Our boss was the oldest of us, a 17-year-old. Ooh, big 17-year-old. What should have been a couple hours work making $10 an hour in the late 80s would take three times as long because we screwed around so much. On Saturdays, we'd all load into a cube truck to go for lunch before the afternoon sections came. Only three of us could sit in the truck cab, so the rest of us were in the rear of the truck. On the floor would be all the plastic newspaper bags scattered around the rear of the truck. When our boss had hit the brakes, you'd hear everyone slamming into the front of the truck as they slid across the bags with a mixture of cursing and laughing coming through the wall. One week, an adult magazine showed up at the workplace. There's something else the kids these days don't know about. After pursuing the articles of said magazine, I read it for the articles, one of us had the bright idea to take some of the pictures and insert them into some comic sections. A dozen out of 25,000 homes got a surprise, which, oddly enough, not everyone was thrilled about. Especially the irate mother who complained about what her son found. We all played dumb when the higher-up bosses asked about it. Alas, we were dumb male teens left without adult supervision and the opportunities to do real foolish things. Cheers, Tom. Wow, that's that's pretty ballsy. I don't think I would have done that. He even signs it, uh, Seggy Winner, uh, episode 488, December 2018. Wow. Five years. Oh. Interesting. Oh. Respect. Here's the problem I have now. I, I get the daily newspaper here in Orlando. It's the Sentinel. And... My problem with it is, you know how you normally would stop your paper when it's uh, when you go out of town? On yeah, vacation? yeah. You mentioned that they're not real reliable on the whole stopping. No, they don't stop it. <laughs> Can't stop, Jeez. won't stop. They're about to lose a subscriber. I, I you know I keep threatening, but I'm gonna, I'm going to wait until my next vacation, then I'm going to quit it for good. And be you like, know, I think nonstop delivery of newspapers was the first title that they wanted to use for Soft Cells album. Yeah. Last Instead of nonstop erotic cabaret. Yeah. Better SEO juice on that one, I can say. Uh, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> anyway, pay attention. Here's this week's mystery theme song. You and me together. If you know it, email us at podcast at sat80s.com. I guess Chuck Coverley says I say that too fast, and he didn't know what the domain name was. for the. If you time. have problems, just email us at podcast at sat80s.com. sat80s.com. S-I-T-8-0-S. Dot C-O-M. The HTTP, the colon, and the backslash, backslash, and the www are all optional now with modern browsers. You know, like uh, my personal email address involves SIT80s in it. And every time, you know, you have to fill out a form for, you know, customer service or deliveries or what, and you give them the email address, they always, they always like SIT80SY. I'm like, well, it stands for stuck in the 80s. And like, oh, I go, it's a podcast. Oh, do you listen to podcasts? That's where you need the business cards. (laughs) No, no, no. Only true crime. All I listen to is true crime. Okay. Well, it's going to be a true crime when I murder you for slagging off my podcast. The woman who cuts my hair knows that I'm a podcaster and swears that she listens to the show now. And but I'll ask her, well, what episode did you listen to? <laughs> oh, I don't know, the one where you talk about music. <laughs> oh wow, well that narrows it down. Okay, eh, hey, know. I'm going to tip you either way as long as you cut straight. Don't worry about it. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to lie about the podcast. We are men of action. Lies do not become us. Uh, anyway, we'll be right back after this commercial break. PM Magazine. 
I practice my loser's smile, but I might even have a speech up my sleeve. On the next PM Magazine, see why educating Rita may win Michael Caine the Oscar. Then, the record industry was in a slump until music television came along. We'll discover why teens are flocking to their MTVs. PM Magazine, tonight at 7 on Channel 32. And we're back. We have a few minutes left. It's time for, for Ye old Job Update. Take this job and shove it. I ain't working. Hey, I love it when I get letters from you kind of sharing your own job stories as I continue this what is now month three of unemployment for me? Oh my gosh. I think so. Yikes. August. Maybe. Yeah, it feels like it anyway. Two and a half months for sure. Still no answer from the uh, folks in Oklahoma who put me through four rounds of interviews. Good and then grief. Said, I'm still a candidate, but, you know, <laughs> sure I am. Wow, thanks, guys. Yeah, professionalism. That's how it's pronounced. Anyway, <laughs> you feel like reading something? I would be happy to read this. Nothing would please me more, Mr. Spearsy, sir. You ready? This is from uh, the Tromboner. Yes. In Lakeville, Minnesota. Here we go. He writes, hey, Spearsy, I'm really sorry to hear about your job woes. It sucks to be in that spot. I hope you found something good for you soon. In the last two years, I've had woes with keeping a job. Allow me to elaborate. In the summer of 21, I decided to leave my job as a senior software engineer I was at for nearly 10 years. I was getting burned out. I found a new job as a software engineer for a subcontractor for the FAA, making a tad more than I was making at my soon-to-be-previous job, and I could work from home. Let me just tell you, I love working from home. Maybe not everybody, but I love it. Anyway, uh, the tromboner continues. That was to be for three or four years. Great. Fast forward eight months to May of 2022, and I was told on the Friday of Memorial Day weekend that my position was to be dissolved in three weeks. I thought that finding a new job as a software engineer would take a couple of months. What I didn't realize was that the industry had changed so much in the past 10 years, and I was working on basically 90s software, where everyone else was in the 10s or the 20s. I had a lot of trouble finding a new job. But after six months of looking, I got an offer. It sounded like something I could do, and it was a really good company. I started in January 2023, and things started out okay. But I discovered that my mind doesn't seem to work the way they needed. Also, I was drinking out of not one, not two, but four fire hoses, and I was really having a hard time absorbing the information. I got put on a performance improvement plan, but my boss still isn't seeing what she needs to see. I think it's just going to end. And that means the return of the stress of finding a job. But this time, I'm going to do things differently. I'm already looking for career counselors to help me figure out what would bring me the most satisfaction for the dozen or so years of working life I have left. I know what I do well and what I don't do well. I was worried I'd be a low-level code monkey for the rest of my career. I realize now that if I enjoy it, and I'm good at it, why not? So we'll see where this goes this time. So that's my story. Best of luck with your job search, and I really hope you find something soon. Still stuck in the 80s. Chris, a.k.a. the Trump owner, Lakeville, Minnesota. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right, Chris. If, if, if it's, I'm sorry. You're right, Mr. Trump owner, sir. If you enjoy doing it and you're good at it and you can make a living at it, then, yeah, do that. Yeah. No, actually, a lot of the jobs I'm applying for now are jobs that are kind of like something that can be done by somebody 20 years younger than me. And <clears throat> I've adjusted my salary expectations accordingly. <laughs> 
but I, I, I like being a web producer. And so I, I don't mind going back and doing that. But, yeah. You know, I've been thinking about, I guess, tromboner suggests a career counselor. I, I think that's not a bad idea. And I might, I might consider that as well. I don't know if anyone has experience with a, you know, one of those kind of firms, I think Pathrise is one of them, but I think they take a piece of your salary for X number of years or something uh, like that. Not a big fan. And I hear they're more of a coach than a counselor. Yeah. Which more like a recruiter almost. It sounds like our placement company. If they're looking for a chunkier salary. Yeah. I, I do work with a couple of recruiters and they've gotten me interviews, but no, no offers. I, you know, yeah. It really stings when I read that he's, you know, you know, I'm looking for something to give me satisfaction for the dozen or so years left in my career. And I'm, and I'm thinking, holy crap, we, I really am at the end of my career. Yeah, we're on the clock a little bit here. I mean, this yeah. is a conversation Katie and I were having. Like, wow, you know, we, we might actually get to spend some of that 401k money. How weird is that? I know. I, I was thinking about the other day. Like, I was in my 30s when we started this show. Holy shit. I mean, yeah, you're right. This second half of my 30s, but still, but still I mean, those there's a three at the beginning of the number of years you had, yeah. And now now there's I'll turn 65 in 9 years. Yeah. I mean, not that I'm probably yep. I don't know that I'll retire at 65, but I, I there's no stopping the clock, man. That's 9 years away. Yeah, Ugh. whether you retire or not. <laughs> Chew on that for a while, Spearsy, so, you sick bastard. Write, us, write in your retirement plans and let us know what kind of podcast we should do when we have yeah. nothing to do but podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'm sort of in like early retirement now. <laughs> <laughs> You're test driving it. Hey, something else I'm test driving right now is I'm going to start putting more content on the SIT80s.com site. And I started just last week with something called Dream Set List. And it's something I've been thinking about for a while. I, I, I keep threatening to, like, wouldn't it be fun to come up with a Dream Set List for an artist you really love? And having just seen Billy Joel at the uh, Madison Square Garden, I thought, let's start with, with Billy Joel. And so I came up with 25 songs, five, 20, for, 20 for the original set and five for the encores. And I, I picked my 25 songs in this order with a little justification behind each one and i was drove a little conversation there and then our buddy out in san francisco lee edlin of the uh bay area 80s cruisers just this morning he sent in one for pat benatar which is great by the way have you read it Uh, yeah i looked through it and he clearly needs hobbies or maybe this is his hobby (laughs) because it's i mean i thought i went deep on when i write liner notes for mixtapes so good grief yeah but no he it was a good set list i mean he must be much more of a hardcore fan than I am because I, I could not name 25 Pat Benatar songs. But but certainly everyone that I love is on that set list, including Shadows of the Night. So so anyway, go to SIT80s.com. Check out this new series. You know, Feel free to leave comments. And if, if you feel like taking up the challenge and writing one of your own, uh, email me. Get in touch with me and we'll talk about it. Yeah, there are a few, a few rules, a few quid pro quos, if you will. You can't set up a set list that has them playing for like six days. Like you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like if you're making a mixtape, you got ninety minutes. Get in and get out. Yeah, I, I chose twenty five for Billy Joel because that's how many he played that night. I mean, obviously, if you're doing Bruce Springsteen, you could yeah pick twenty five songs. Yeah. If you're doing The Cure, which plays for half a day, I'll allow you to pick thirty songs. But you know, 
you know, if you're doing some of these other bands, you're going to have to keep it a little shorter. Hey, you know what else just happened the other day? Did this happen to you? I got a case of sparkling water on my doorstep. Yeah, clearly Canadian. Straight from the 80s. My God. Yeah. So. Apparently, clearly Canadian, like, disappeared for a while. I mean, they were kind of a pop icon for for, oh, for maybe sure. more in the 90s, but definitely in the late 80s as well. Yeah. Like, and no, they're back. So, we'll, so we, got, I know. We, we got a taster pack. We're going we're gonna to run them down. Tell you our favorite flavors, our least favorite flavors, what yeah, they no, mix well wait. with. I'm thinking vodka. <laughs> oh, I I'm like thinking vodka. Think. Yeah, and maybe we'll uh, talk about other snack foods or drinks that we think should come back. I feel like we did a show, or a, there is a show in the catalog. I might not have been on the show at that point about junk. Food. It was pre Brad. Pre Brad. There's still a lot of snack foods from. How many snack foods from the '80s do you still eat? I still gravitate towards nacho cheese Doritos if I allow myself the pleasure of a bag of Doritos, which is pretty rare. I think Cool Ranch Doritos are always a a can't miss. I do like Bugles quite a bit, although I only allow myself Bugles on Super Bowl Sunday, even though I don't watch the Super Bowl. Do you know I make a special dip that's meant for Bugles? Please got, send me um, the recipe or tell yes. me now. Well, it has hey, sour we've come cream. to the cooking part of our show, guys. This is amazing. Sour cream, horseradish, and uh, minced up dried beef. York, York, York. Sounds awful. Squirt of lemon juice, but it but it works for some reason. Just works. Anyway, Excellent. there's more of this to come. We're, oh, you know what? We should do. We should have a. You know, we should have a cooking segment. I think. What What's cooking, Spearcy? <gasps> yeah. Oh, there you go. Well, this week we're making simmered <laughs> anger and stewed regrets. Somebody needs to come up with an uh, 80s-appropriate name for our cooking, Seggy. That'd be fun. What was the guy? Did you guys have PM Magazine in the Florida? It's like an evening, syndicated evening show, like 30 minutes would be on like after the news or maybe before the news. Maybe. And there was a guy, Chef Tell. I don't know why I remember this guy. I'm Chef Tell. <laughs> it's just like... Whatever, he'd make something like, here's how you make a flaming onion volcano, or I don't know, whatever. That's random. But yeah, no, I, I you and I spent a lot of time cooking. If, if we were ever going to do a podcast about something that was not 80s related, it'd be a cooking podcast. Oh, that'd be super awesome. Yeah. Maybe we should. I, I could do that you know, for in our years. spare time. Well, that's what we'll do when we're <laughs> retired. We'll start our cooking podcast. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. All that right. sounds good. Anyway, hope you enjoyed the conversation with Don Barnes. Uh, definitely check them out on social media. I know on Instagram it will show all their dates. And uh, I can't wait to meet them in person on the cruise. I can't wait to be sitting next to them while they listen to Wang Chung with me. I know. Can you believe he name checks Wang I Chung? I know. Of all of the fans on the bands? cruise, he name checks Wang Chung. I'm like, I love this man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I love it when we're hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music, and thanks for listening.